0: Where am I? In the village. What do you want? Information.
1: Whose side are you on?
0: (laughs) That would be telling. We want information. Information. Information.
1: You won't get it.
0: By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? The new number two.
1: Who is number one?
0: You are number six.
1: I am not a number. I am a free man. Ah, 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 ah. Hello, listeners of the Mad Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell. Although I guess I am. Otherwise, number six. I guess I am your host number six. I am joined by the dastardly number two. <laughs> Marie Mayhew. Marie Mayhew. Marie Mayhew. What a wonderful Okay so this episode we'll be talking about one of the most important science fiction television shows of all time The Prisoner Yes The Prisoner Now The Prisoner is it's it's a show that a lot of you probably a lot of a lot of younger uh younger listeners even listeners like I mean younger listeners Jesus listeners my age even or Marie I mean Marie mm-hmm. even your even like like I would say our age groups were like we're we're not in that area where it was like on t v really oh God, no, well, first of all, September of this year
0: marks the fifty year anniversary of the filming and airing of the prison. it's one of
1: those it is fifty years old and it's one of those shows that it is it has influenced so much of popular culture, so much of science fiction of. Of the, you know, just it, it, it has reverberations. This series has reverberations throughout all of the stuff that we love and that makes us excited about science in the modern world. And it's a show that, frankly, I don't think gets enough respect or love. I mean, it came out, a, oh. it, you know, it's it, I think it's I think partially it's because it ended the way it did. <laughs> and I think it's also because of the True. I also think because it, it really was very high minded. And even today, it still deals with very important philosophical questions that we're still grappling with. So, this episode, we'll be talking about The Prisoner, one of my favorite TV shows. Maria, I'm sure one of your favorites as well.
0: Absolutely.
1: Wonderful show. Something that we
0: bond on immediately. Seriously. Right after after Giant Squid, what was the thing I said we had to talk about? The Prisoner.
1: The Prisoner. It's right there. All right. So, so residents of the Village... Pro, you know, Ooh, plop on yes. your numbered pins, get ready on your Please. weird giant bikes, and uh we'll yeah, set your set your bikes down and we'll be seeing you on this episode. This
0: seeing you
1: Welcome to the Mad Scientist Roundtable Episode 15 The Prisoner This week, mm-hmm. we wanted to give a quick shout out to one of the newest members of the mm-hmm. Dark Myths Podcast mm-hmm. Network. Uh, this week, out. we're giving a shout out to the Let's Not Meet podcast. Let's Not Meet is so good. It is so scary. It is like oh. if you like if you like some of the scarier shows on our network, like. Um, you know i mean astonishing legends or mm-hmm. more kind of like the narrative style like mm-hmm. nighttime podcast or pleasing terrors uh, i think you're going to really enjoy let's not meet they are a just a phenomenal show andy's a great guy the guy that runs it um what they do is they take they take stories from the let's not meet subreddit and they 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 read them out in kind of the spookiest coolest way possible
0: great yeah cuz we all don't
1: need to sleep no whatever sleep yeah. marie like I said to you the other day, we will sleep when we're dead. Sleep
0: when I am dead. Yeah. <laughs> for, for now, I it is producing
1: and creating podcast content. With all so, the lights on. Jumping lights on.
0: jumping at every single noise in the house. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dark Myths.
1: Yes. So that podcast, again, is Let's Not Meet. Check it out. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it, of course, through darkmyths.org. And uh, we'll be posting a link to them over in the show notes for this episode. So go check it out. I actually really like, I really love the, one of the most important or not the most important. One of the most interesting quotes I think from this show is the very beginning. One of the very first things that number six says when he wakes up in the village, he says, I will not make any deals with you. I've resigned. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. The, the, that's one of the central tenets of this show, The Prisoner. Now, for those that don't know, The Prisoner is a, is a, is a science fiction show that's set in the village. Okay. And so the only information we're given at the beginning of this show is that this main character, played by Patrick McGowan, has seemingly resigned from an important government position in the United Kingdom. He seems mm-hmm. to have resigned. He drives away in a Lotus 7 in the most yes. badass car of all time.
0: And this is, the, this is the open to every single episode, of which there were only 17. But of every single 17 episodes, they all open the same way. Which they is
1: all open the exact same way, yeah.
0: Showing his resignation of this covert, operative, highly secretive, the man who knows too much type of job.
1: And so what what happens is he he gets to his apartment Mm -hmm. and he's packing, seemingly packing for a trip out of the country or something. And then a a, basically a gas enters the room and knocks Mm -hmm. him out. And then he wakes up in this this weird tropical setting where he wakes all the, up in
0: Wonderland in, in a,
1: yeah, in an absolute what appears to be a Wonderland. All of his needs are taken care of, all of his food is provided for the, you know, it's like a perfect a perfect utopian society on the surface, except that everyone is numbered, no one's past is ever supposed to be talked about or remembered. And the whole point of this society, it turns out, is for the leaders of that society. And the leader, the ranking numbers of of people in importance goes from the number, whatever, the lowest number that there is or the highest number, I suppose, all the way up to number two, who is the leader of the of this island, of the village, as it's called. Mm -hmm. And then the eponymous number one, who we never see in the series. But one of one of the big questions is who is number one, as we said in the intro,
0: who is ultimately in control, who is in control of the society. And I think it's it's worth mentioning that when he resigns basically he does so it it's again it's the same every 17 episodes comes in drives the lotus which i i i couldn't remember the what type of car it was oh. but it's just like it is it's a stunning car and it's this this sort of james bondian music playing over and he pulls up and he gets out and he storms down this dark hallway and it's it's very starkly lit and then he tirades to uh to a man sitting behind a desk who is just sort of coldly disinterestingly staring at him and then as chris says he storms back out and he gets back in his car but he's somehow and he drives to his his london apartment but he's followed by a hearst right and then he he's going in and you see him packing and it looks like he's going somewhere tropical and again it's worthy to note that patrick is is probably the archetype for james bond i mean he was he looks the part he before he was in the prisoner he was in a series called danger man that was on for two years that was basically sort of the tv version of james bond so he has this whole provenance of 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 this character already and he's you know this character now almost carrying into this new series and he's quit and he's packing and, like, says this, this gas floats through the keyhole and knocks him out cold. And it's so it's so weird because that's, like, every single time in the story opens, that's what you're reminded of. Like, he quit. Oh, and the one most important thing I forgot. They show his, his card being lifted by a robotic hand, right? His sort of his identity card. And it types, resigned. Or retired,
1: yeah. I so, believe it says. I believe it says resigned. And then they put X's through his name, X's. or uh, not through right. his name. They never show his name. They put X's through his, yes. his face. His, his face. Picture. Yes. One. One important. One important point of the show. So Marie says there's this. There's this aspect of repetition in the intro. Mm-hmm. There's also a repetition in the episodes themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Each episode is set up as a sort of, as a sort of new. A way for a new number two, a new leader of the village, to take a crack at number six.
0: Yes. So Patrick
1: Patrick McGowan's character, the main character, is only known throughout the series as number six. You're never given his name. You're never given any background info on never. him, except never. for some except for some um, basic kind of stuff. Like we we can tell kind of that he worked for MI six or you know some important mm-hmm. um, government agency of some kind it it appears clear that he has information that they want in the village that's why every intro every episode starts with that intro where they say we want information they want to know what he did and specifically what they want to know is why he resigned why why did quit? he resign from this service that he was working in and but it it's a very it's a very interesting thing every episode the character well except for a few there are a few returning number twos but the setup of this <sighs> series is Number six wakes up back in the village. He, or back in the village. He wakes up in the village. We don't know the timeline of these episodes, really. Except for the very intro and the very end. That's the only two. And the, the two last ones go in order. Those are the only two mm-hmm. we really know where they fit in the timeline, frankly.
0: And we'll he talk about up, the timeline of the entire 17th yeah, episode. It's, it's very important. It is interesting.
1: He wakes up in the village. He meets with number two. Number two says we want information and then number two introduces him to to basically what what number two is going to try to do to get this information from number six. And the the really interesting part of it, I think, for me is it it deals with a lot of topics of social control, a lot of topics about where society was going at that time period in the 60s when the show came out. That are really—it's really, really interesting. It's fascinating where they mm-hmm. thought it was going to go, and how kind of almost how close we are actually we've gotten to almost living in a village of our own. It's you know, it's it's a little frightening. In fact,
0: yeah. Well, for fifty years ago, it was pretty. You know, it's it's held up really well, and I think that yeah. like again, when you when you um, he wakes up in the village, he's got a new set of clothes. The village itself, like Chris said, it's it, it's. It was actually filmed in an actual island off of Wales, um, and all of these. It's very quaint and it's very uh, colorful and it's very almost surreal. Like they, it looks like a, lot a resort. Of, it does look like, but like a resort, I mean, sort is. of on acid <laughs> in some ways. Like yeah. <laughs> everything is just a little. The scale's a little quirky. Like they have a giant chessboard in the middle of their town yeah. square. And they've got this, you know, things are oddly colored and it's just very, uh, it's, it's charming, but at the same time, it's almost, you know, it's so sweet. It makes your teeth hurt kind of. Well, you,
1: well, you find, you find out very quickly. Number six realizes Mm -hmm. very quickly that in some ways everyone else in the village, but him appears in some way or is potentially a plant of number two working mm-hmm. to break number mm-hmm. 6. So in the very beginning of the series of the episodes it, he kind of tries to break out relatively frequently and oh, yeah. they and every time of course he fails and he ends up back in the village no matter how uh, perfectly it seems that his plan would go. And so what he finds out what he ends up ends up realizing is in fact that all of his neighbors, everyone he meets in the village, everyone he's friendly with, all of these people are, he cannot, you know, he cannot trust them. There's nothing
0: that he can trust. Because there's 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 no no way to know.
1: There's no way to know, right, what is actually happening. And so, and and that's really the important point here is that all of his privacy, everything he reads, everything, all the information they're given, everything they eat, when they sleep, when they wake up, all the clothing... Everything is designed by and given to them from the, the the people in charge of the village. And they even have... Uh, what's kind of interesting is they even have things like... One of my favorite episodes, Marie, is when they have the, the, the election for the new number two. Oh, yes. And number six uh, is, is put in the running for number two, for the new number two. And his whole platform is, okay, well, we're going to tear down the system. And, of course the system is running the election. Right? There's so no that. matter no matter what number six does, he's working within his system. And there's so no matter no how
0: getting away from it. No, but no, it's but,
1: yeah. but, you know, but again, it's an interesting it's an interesting philosophical concept, this one of and actually I think this is one of my favorite concepts that's that's in the show. There are a few mm-hmm. So I think we did a pretty okay job of running down the basic premise of the show. But Let's just let's just go through it again really quick for people. Yes. Number six has resigned from his job. Yes. He wakes up in this in this paradise slash prison. Everything S- he does is watched. Surrounded by cheerful,
0: cheerful people.
1: Everything everyone he does is, is cheerful. Everyone is everyone is is cheerful. Everyone is for the system. Everyone is watching him, and he is in a in a game basically with this person number two and ultimately whoever is number one who want to break him and get the information from him in some way
0: about Mm -hmm. why he
1: resigned now each episode centers around a different method of breaking number six so there's there's an episode where they create a computer that has all of the knowledge in the known universe supposedly and it um and it it, it Basically, they give it to the people of the village that, oh, you can learn things overnight, right? Mm-hmm. You can listen to this mm-hmm. tape and learn things right away, but what's actually happening as you learn things is you're being fed information and being, being kind of almost hypnotized or tricked into giving up what you know about, you know, the secret service or whatever that you were a part of, Right. And at yes. the end of the episode, number six destroys the machine in a very cliched kind of way. He, he gives the professor, as the robot's known, a, a question. He feeds mm-hmm. in a question to the computer. And he goes into the room, he feeds in a question, and the computer explodes in flames. And number, the, the number two of that episode is like, what did you do? And he's like, I just asked it a simple question. H." why <laughs> And then he like <laughs> leaves the, you know he drops the mic and he leaves the room and number two yeah. is just like what Ugh. right and that's of course it's a, again it's become such a cliched thing but at the time that's a very you know it's a very i don't know provocative isn't the word but it's a very uh resounding statement it's right, a computers. A computer yeah. mind will never be a human mind. No. Right? And
0: it's 1967. Yeah. It's The Summer of Love has not come up yet. It's just starting to crest. This is also a British series. We should probably yes. spell that out very clearly. Yeah. But this is, this is, uh, it, it is, it's, it is a very, I feel like it is very, it is very British in, the, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of, you know, the number twos are these, you know, the, the villain per episode is these awesome archetypes of you know one can be very conniving and very you know plotting and then the other one is just you know is 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 going to buddy up to number 6 to well, you know yeah, to charm that's... him and it's very um but it it's happening before sort of the whole idea of the american you know the american um idea of the individual and the and summer of love and uh freedom and you know tune uh tune in turn on drop out type of thing happens yeah and it's it's sort of it's 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 predecessor because it's about you know art who what is freedom how are you truly free if you are put in this beautiful utopia where all of your needs are taken care of and really, you can while away the rest of your days on drugs, which I think they allude heavily But you know, they're drugging well, there, there their population. There, <laughs>
1: there is, there is right? an episode specifically where they, uh, they're using drugs to reprogram people. That's right. right? <gasps> and, yeah, well, that's so that's the thing is, like Marie said, the main, the main, I would say, the main not focused, but maybe the main, mm. um, the main problem that faces number six in The Village is this idea of personal freedom, right? Yeah. What does it mean to be free in a society like The Village? But in many mm. ways, the show kind of shows us that The Village is very similar to our own societies, right? So mm-hmm. that episode with, that episode with, with the drugs right um has a lot of interesting implications for things like psychotherapy, right, yes, where they are taking someone who doesn't seem to fit the mold of what the society wants, they are reprogramming them with drugs, and then they come out and maybe they're not they're no longer I forget the word they use, I think it's like um I don't think it's abnormal, I think it's like oh my God, it's something like you know uh, just like disruptive, I think it's disruptive, maybe is the mm-hmm. word, but They, they, you know, someone that doesn't fit the mold of what society wants. And then is it right for then society to fix this person? If they could be happier in the society, right? What is the cost? What is the cost of happiness? If, if happiness costs your freedom, if happiness costs your trade-off, right? Is that the trade-off you should make? And the thing is too, we're never told, you know, number six may have resigned for some stupid reason. Right? He never... It's never given... You always make me fly, coach. Yeah, it's like, you know, he might have resigned because they got rid of the Twix in the coffee room. Mm, Exactly. You know, he's like, that's... I've told you a million times.
0: I need my Twix. Twix.
1: You know? He gets rid of it, and he's like, I'm out. And they send him to this island. Now, one one of my favorite... Like I said, one of my favorite topics, one of my favorite motifs Mm -hmm. that comes up again and again and again in the series and ends up being kind of the penultimate I don't know if I don't know if lesson is the right word, but the penultimate um idea of the prisoner is that you can only rebel within the confines of what society will allow you to do. Right? Yes. It's a very interesting philosophical idea that was very prevalent at the time and in fact it made the hippies very angry. Um yes. because they thought, well this is bullcrap, man, you know? But the idea is that what a society will do is it will co-opt your rebellion and yes. sell it back to back you. Back
0: to you, yeah. So it,
1: becomes, so it becomes innocuous, right? Yes. So a really good example would be, for instance, shirts that say Black Lives Matter being sold at your local mall, right? Yes. Um, or, yes. you know, shirts that say, like, Girl Power and stuff on them being sold at The Gap. Or, you know, um, like these, these structural systems that have previously put you down are only giving into some of your flights of fancy so that they can control you more strongly in some other way.
0: And so they can also commodify it. Exactly. The idea, the idea of the teenager.
1: Yes. And it came
0: about in in the late 50s. Oh my God. One of the most perfect,
1: one of the most perfect Mm -hmm. examples of this is Hot Topic. Ah, right. Hot Topic is like the the perfect
0: Oh man, there the goes
1: perfect s- version of this. I'll
0: tell you what. Uh, dear listener, I love Hot Topic. You love Hot Topic. We're going to have to let Chris have his flight of fancy on Okay.
1: <laughs> listen. Okay, listen. Punk like like think think about how how there's that what is that song that that song by No Effects that's like, you know, when did punk rock become so safe? Right is one of the opening lines. Oh, right?
0: or the dead milkman—you'll dance to anything, right? Yeah, Instant exactly. Club right? hit. Yep.
1: Yes, the the idea like punk rock used to be about like back when punk rock started with like the Sex Pistols. I mean, it was always kind of a weird commodification of things that were. You know, what I mean, like the Sex Pistols yes. were managed outside of a sex shop. That made made a killing. That made a killing on leather, you know, chaps and stuff that they sold to skinny Brits (laughs) who were shooting up heroin and stuff. Um, Like, you know, these these cultural movements that are meant to kind of overthrow the system only go so far, right? So the hippies of the '60s now voted for Trump. Ow! You know. Oh. Yes. But no, I, but really I, though, I, like and even even yeah. even even Donald Trump at a time when I was growing up, Donald Trump was a was a um was almost not a dangerous figure per se, but was a very fascinating figure, right? Yes. And now the Re- the Republican Party, the party of old dudes, you know, selling yep. oil to each other, have taken a a angry young movement and morphed it into their own thing it's very strange
0: and i think that that's one of the things that the prisoner does so incredibly well is you are rooting for number six again you never get to learn his name he never talks about what his name is um you're never allowed to know you're rooting for him to break free right you're like come on man like just fucking you know fake your death just you know jump in the whatever and there are times there's an episode where you think he does it which i think charms a big ben right yeah he he stows away he you know someone helps him he gets out but it's all just an extended ploy to break his morale because when he right, wakes he... up He's not. He's well, right he, back where what, he started. What ends
1: from. up What ends up happening actually? The ending of this episode is. Well, so first off, I, w- I just want to say for our listeners who are yes. are of a conservative bend, right? The <laughs> yes. the the left, the the young kind of like left leaning population, I would say, the progressive population, mm-hmm. historically has been the population that is the most um, easy to control in this way. I think if we look at oh, like absolutely. if we because you know it's like this it's the, the it's specifically the adoption of it's the adoption of new cultural things and new ways to rebel against society that becomes so easily sold back to them, right? That, of course, that, and rebellion it, and it's, sells exactly. Rebellion does sell, and so it's kind of this idea of um, you know it's a reason why a lot of deranged people take this idea of rebellion to a stronger place, right? Where, well, you can't just rebel within the confines of society. You have to flip, you have to, you know, you can't, you can't win, you can't break free of the game of chess by playing on the board. You have to flip the table over, yes. right, in some way. And yes. so, so anyways, so the, so I just wanted to, I just want to make that point clear. When I was pointing out um, the the recent uh, use of this kind of technique, or maybe, you know, maybe it's not even a technique, it's just something that kind of happens, it seems like, where- it's- the powers that be utilize what's selling and if what's selling at the moment is rebellion they're going to sell that at the moment the rebellion that's selling is a rebellion towards anti anti-politician sentiment yeah right
0: uh, well and the thing is it's rebellion so you have, always sells it, it does. always sells better than it establishment. does but it's
1: but it's very but it's very interesting that you have people like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell who are like If they were any more swampy, they'd have algae growing on their legs um, saying, you know, we're fighting the swamp, right? Well, you're not. You know, you're not. Maybe this guy wanted to, but you're not. You know, anyways, whatever. Well,
0: you're you're assuming that they'd stand. They can't stand because they have no spines. Okay,
1: fine. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I got to do political. So (gasps) in the the chimes of Big Ben, Mm -hmm. what's really fascinating actually is at the end... He, he, seems, one. He, seems, one. he seems to make his way all the way back to his home. Yes. Right. To I London. Think, I think he's, he, he's, even, he did it. I think he even. So he, what ends up happening is he, he makes his way back. He basically him and another Islander, another villager, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. plan his escape together. And so he supposedly makes it all the way back to London. And he's hearing the chimes of Big Ben from the office of his old boss. Mm-hmm. And his old boss says to him, you know, oh, by the way, you know, why, why did you resign? Mm-hmm. And he, and he looks at him and he goes, wait. And based on the number of chimes of Big Ben, he realizes that the time is wrong. The clock on the wall has a different time. Like it says six, but it just rang like 12 times or something. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the window and he rolls up the blinds, and it looks back out to the village. Ugh. And he just leaves. He just walks out of the room. Right. It's
0: so yeah, and you're just like, what? You're,
1: you're, you're it's, it, kills you. it kills you. It kills you. And it's so
0: so and there is this sort of visceral reaction because you're just rooting for him. You're like, first of all, like this dude, you know, like he's 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 served his time, right? He served his con- country. He, he he just wants to. Just you know, pack a bag, go to the Bahamas, have my time. No, no, they're just going to keep this stranglehold on him. And you're just like, oh man, come on, just let. It. Oh, yeah. no, he's so close. No. So
1: the other really interesting thing that happens with the other really interesting thing that happens is with this idea of the kind of the co-opting of revolution and using it to reinforce previous standards or previous ways of being, right? Mm -hmm. you have um, you have the the last two episodes are kind of a really strange they're the first time that a a number two has come back really uh, for an extended period of time so this number two comes back for like three episodes and it's the first time anyone gives any indication besides number six that this number two is actually a new number two in all other cases everyone in the village acts like this guy's been number two forever you know, this person has been number two, you know, no matter how obviously the change, you know, there are episodes where it goes from like, it's a fat a British dude. Yeah. yeah it's a fat a British yeah. dude to like a fit woman. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it changes significantly. Yeah. That
0: was free and for all, right? That was, the, she was I, the, I think, I think yeah. so.
1: Yeah. And so what, so this last episode, it, it becomes this weird almost deconstruction of number six as a person, right? It's like they the plan is to bring him, all the way back to being a child and reinstill in him a sense of, of loyalty to number two. Number two is like his mother, like his family and rebuilding him up and whatever. And it ends with like a super weird trippy, like, you know, yeah. uh, there are men in robes holding a mock trial where they're singing um, dry bones. Right. You know? Um, and like, it's just so strange. And then at the end, he he escapes. Seemingly, he jumps onto a rocket. So oh, first off, so first off, what on, happens hold is on,
0: hold he. You're all the way to the very, very end. Well, of I was all out. I thought yeah. you were talking
1: about hammer and angle. No, 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 no. So, so what? Right, so, so at, the, so at the very end. Sorry, just, just, I mean, go ahead. No. <laughs> at the okay, at the very end spoiler, of the series. Spoiler alert! Spoiler okay, alert! So, at the very end we of the series... We should say... Wait, wait. Good lord, man. Good lord. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Hold
0: on. We should say, this is not a recap. If you haven't seen this, we would strongly encourage you to watch it regardless of, of what we come up with and what we tell you. Because it is... It's, it's that good of a series. Now, and he's not just on a rocket. He's on a nuclear warhead.
1: Yes, right? that's true. Yes. and who
0: and so yes so this he's gone through he's gone through all of these iterations he's been broken down by all of these different uh all these different number twos and it's it's also worth it to say that again 17 episodes um when this showed in america it went up against like sabrina you know sabrina the witch kind of thing right so it's like it wasn't as it was very popular but in britain After the very last episode aired, there were just, like, riots. People were pissed. People were so mad with Patrick McGovern because they had no idea. Because it's, it's, they don't, they don't give a neat and tidy end in a lot of ways. Okay, let's. For what the end episode is. Yeah.
1: So what. Which I will Yes. So, okay. So, so he goes through, there's two episodes at the end. He goes through the first one. Um, the first one is this number two comes back and breaks him all the way down. But at the end of the episode, number six, his mind stays intact. His mind, you know, stays to where it is, where I am not. Uh, I'm a free person. I have a name. I'm not a number. Mm-hmm. And I am an individual. And I'm not going to tell you why I resigned. I'm not going to give you this information. And the next episode is number two reporting his failure and the the village the elders of the village the leaders of the village this this secret group of people who have been working in the shadows say to number six well you've 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 beaten us you've done everything we can possibly do to you right Mm -hmm. and you've made it through and so you're going to get to meet number one and then you get to decide what happens to the village or not right Mm -hmm. and so he gets to he he makes his way to out of this kind of like weird courtroom procession that's occurring to judge him and his methods and his mind he makes his way out of this kind of kangaroo court style thing and makes his way into a room where number one is and he he sees the robe with number one number one is standing there is the robe that says number one on him he's standing there with this robe on he flips him over and he pulls off the mask and first he sees he's wearing a plastic monkey mask yeah. yeah, and then he rips that off, and it's him. Yes, he is number one.
0: He is. Number but is one. he? Is he? Well, I and mean, so but they, they disclose that at the very beginning of every episode.
1: Every episode started. Who you know? Who is number one? You are. You are number six. Number six. So he he then pushes the button for this bomb to, in mm-hmm. theory, destroy. I guess destroy the village. It's never really made clear what the bomb will do but yeah. he he then he then makes his way out of of this area and he you know this whole time you're you're trying to figure out he's trying to figure out where is the village right mm-hmm. and it finally kind of gets figured out that okay well it must be in it must be in eastern europe somewhere close to the russian border maybe whatever yes or like in the mediterranean it's not it's not clear at all where this village is he makes it out of the village and he he ends up driving through a wall
0: mm-hmm. and it turns
1: out he has been all of 20 miles from London yes. the whole time yes and some pe- and, and there is no real conclusion to the to the series right no cuz
0: he goes home he opens his front door and then they pan to what his address is and his yep. address is... Number six. Number six. So it's just, just this, like, he doesn't... Uh, first of all, like, the idea of it, again, like, it's very, uh, you know, Oedipus, right? The The one that he was seeking, the person that was supposed to have the answers, that was... You know the prophecy. It was him the entire time. It was time. him the
1: entire time. Yeah.
0: Right. And then is is even were... real? Is it even a real place? Is, yeah. Like, was this all in his mind?
1: Well, the other bigger, the bigger point that mm-hmm. I find really fascinating with the last episode is he escapes the village only to find out that he's been in London the whole time. <laughs> yes. Right. And I think that I think that part is really actually a kind of a fascinating. Social commentary at the time that this is like a the village is almost like a uh, it's almost like a a sideshow hall of mirrors. Look at our own societies. Right. Mm -hmm. You have episodes that deal with things like like fraudulent elections. How real how real are elections are democratic elections? How how successful can a democratic election ever be to overthrow corrupt power sources? If yes. those are the people counting the votes, right? Yes. He talks yes. about things like, what will automation do? What will the integration of the mind with a computer mean to freedom?
0: Oh, right? my God. But we didn't even discuss the idea of the security.
1: No, not yet. Well, we're getting, we're getting there, Marie. We're getting there, oh, Marie. Oh, my God. <coughs>
0: Woo, and all right, sorry. Got my, it's okay. Get all excited. There for a second.
1: You know, yes. this, this show hits a lot of really important themes, I think. And, yeah, one of the mm-hmm. most important in a lot of interesting ways, is the use of robotic. I said robotics may be a little generous of a term, well, but yeah. a a non human yeah. security force.
0: Well, and the, the entire so first of all the entire uh, entire island every every nook and cranny is miked or has surveillance, and it is all transmitted back to one supervisor who is basically security. And he has... Uh, he is the same character the entire series. And he's got this huge wall of video monitors. And he's sitting and he's watching their every move. And if he sees... If he sees number six, you know, making a break for it or heading towards, you know, heading towards the water or heading towards an outer perimeter, he actually picks up his giant black... They had, like cell phones like actual mobile phones like giant black phone picks it up and he's like put me through to number two (laughs) looks like he's now number six he's making a break for it sir should i i guess i'll have to deploy rover Right? Which is, the, which is the security system.
1: Which, Rover, is yes. a giant balloon.
0: So, but, <laughs> let's, okay, so let's, let's back this up, because this is, so this is a big point of contention. People who watch the series either find the idea of what their security system is seriously terrifying and or hilarious, existentially trippy, or just like, what the fuck? But... <laughs> Rover. Originally, they did have they did have like a fully robotic thing for it. But as soon as they got it on set, they realized it broke down a lot. It couldn't handle steps. And what were they going to do? Like they they can't well, yeah. just keep it was fixing a, it.
1: It was the '60s, and we had we had hardly developed computers. And they no. tried to build a robot. And like... they well, they tried a simple, not necessarily
0: built, but you know, like no. like. They're not gonna build a yeah. robot. For this yeah, thing. yeah, they, yeah. And I they mean, had, like they... budget, and they were yeah, like, "Oh, yeah, that's I not mean, cool." Yeah. So, but then they were like, "Shit, we're out of money. This thing can't handle sand. What are we gonna do?" And their I the idea that they came up with was like, "I don't, just this ginormous. I want to say like maybe seven to eight foot in diameter white balloon that all of a sudden when they deployed it surfaced from the water. They had this, you know, this little montage of it coming up through the water." and then it just blows across the water and comes after people. Now, I think I'm in the camp where I think it is truly terrifying. I me mean, no, cause... me
1: me too. It's 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 striking. It's so it's like so cuz okay, if it was a robot, first off, it would look The one thing about this show is yeah. they they didn't use they used hardly no special effects. Mm, yeah, and where they nah. did use them, they used them to great effect to be Uh, to be scary to be off-putting yeah right very creative it's kind yeah it's kind of like um it's kind of like how funds well it's yeah it's it's well it's almost it's almost like if you watch like a Muppet Christmas Carol that -hmm. doesn't look like it it aged at all right it's Mm -hmm. all just puppets and whatever but if you look at say like Jurassic Park or the old Star Wars or whatever you're like oh that's a that's Wow. No,
0: don't, don't with the Star Wars. Is that what computers yeah, did Star back
1: Wars. then? Jeez. Oh, my God. So, no, but so, really, though, in, like, in the, <sighs> the, like, practical effects always look better, in my opinion. Yes. And,
0: and yeah,
1: yeah. And so Rover, so the, the idea of, the scary thing with Rover is it, it's almost like high strangeness, right? That, that yeah. term used for UFOs and yes. UFO sightings. It's, um, it's a giant white, balloon like a ball almost it's it's perfectly spherical it's it's a giant balloon and it comes floating towards you at super speeds and what it does is it envelopes you and Mm -hmm. causes you to pass out and become still and then it transports you back to your room
0: yes or it can also just suffocate you
1: or it can just kill you yeah or Or it can can just suffocate. just kill you which now, again,
0: like in this repressive regime, is a pretty good analogy. Like the final thing that's going to get you is, is suffocation. You're just you're suffocation. Suffocation.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the I think another part of why it what makes it so scary is that it it has I mean this sounds a little hokey it has mm-hmm. no face it yeah. has no yeah. mind right yeah. there is no there is no tell about what this thing is you know if you're if you're in the village and you're thinking or did something that you shouldn't have been thinking or doing and you see Rover coming, there's no way to tell if it's coming for you or not. Right. It's just going Mm -hmm. to float by. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it'll just be kind of there. And the thing is too, I I don't think we mentioned this yet. It makes Mm -hmm. a terrifying sound. Yes. It's like, Oh, it's so bad. And it's like high pitched and squeal. Oh my goodness. It's, it's really, it's, it's quite, it's pretty unnerving. Really. It is. Um, it's, it's amazing.
0: It, it's a good. It is a good fallback for like, and it's it is very creative, and it's almost like subconsciously, scary the people that were putting it together. It's horrifying subconsciously, yeah. but the the people that were like, okay, you know, this robot's not gonna the thing that we had that we put all of our money in isn't gonna work, and they they conjured forth this thing that was truly what they were trying to get at in the first place.
1: What's and yeah? What's kind of what's kind of funny to me is too. They were like. They were kind of forced to think, like, almost like to think creatively on their feet, like yeah. you were saying, to get around a budgetary problem. But it's also kind of like, if you were actually going to develop a all-terrain security item, something that floated and yeah. didn't, yeah, right? Like, that's not a bad. It's not a bad solution to that problem. No. Right? That's a pretty creative, good solution, I would say.
0: And it's it is spooky as shit. Very and spooky. That thing is like, and it just shows up. It just yeah. shows up. Yeah. But I just like again, like I think with the prisoner, one of the things that I'm always in awe of again, like it is fifty years old and you can look at it and some of it is a little like it's it is it's very quaint and it's but it's not cliched, it's not overly cliched. And I think now that you wouldn't have shows like Lost.
1: No I feel like definitely not. I feel
0: like J.J. Abrams Got alias, right? G. G. Abrams
1: think... built a career off
0: of the yeah. prisoner. He got a lot of, like, alias. So the idea yeah. of, you know, the clandestine secret agent who's who's constantly fighting for the, her own identity. And then, again, like an island that nobody knows is there, that nobody knows what its true meaning is, and why are we here, and is there a bigger purpose? Like, there's so many shows that really should pay homage to the prisoner for, well, for a it, show that was only on for like 17 episodes. That's one, that's barely one season. I think,
1: now. I think they came out once a year Oh, not once a year, once a month though, didn't they? Which also that's built which, or once or twice, yeah. once or twice a month, which built up to the, uh which built up to the kind of finale sort of now one, one interesting part. So I think you're right. There's this idea of, I mean we've always had since since humans have worked together to create societies there's been this idea of you know this idea of let's say control uh you know power power structures silent control over the individual what where is the where is the trade-off between your individual liberties and the good of the society right mm-hmm. where is that trade-off that's always kind of existed where The Prisoner kind of took it a step beyond is, I think, bringing in a lot of the, a lot of the philosophy of that time period mm-hmm. um, that developed right after World War... You know, around World War I to World War II until, say, the mid-'60s, there was a really, a really interesting subset of philosophy that came about called existentialism, right? Mm-hmm. And existentialism really where it started and even who is considered an existentialist is it's up for it's hotly debated some people would consider uh kierkegaard and nietzsche to be uh, you know to be existentialist mm-hmm. some people wouldn't consider them to be that they would consider them to be almost proto existentialists or you know there's mm-hmm. there's all these kind of i think the only person that everyone agrees is an existentialist is sartre <laughs> and Camus, Camus and, yes. you know like yeah, i think and yeah. and uh you know those are kind of the only two like i think those guys are on pretty much everyone's lists but the idea the uh, the general idea here is that what matters for an ethical life for a moral life is that you yourself live up to your own standards and the structures and the the kind of the I don't want to say the stringent controls that society places Mm -hmm. on you, but almost, I mean, that is kind of what their point is, is that the controls that society places on you are only there to control you. They have no basis in any greater moral complexity or reason. And so you yourself, it's up for you, the individual to make your own values always, right? It's always up to you to make your own values. And so this gives us this idea of what is known as the existential hero, which is a character archetype where the individual acts within their own values, but not necessarily out, but not necessarily within the bounds of society. Right. Yes. And so probably the most cliched version of the existential hero is the kind of anarchist, um, almost terroristic in some ways characters, right? Like, so we have, um Fight Club and we have V for mm-hmm. Vendetta and we have um I mean there's it's such a common trope, right? Mm-hmm. Um even even shows like even movies or things like say the um uh, the Hunger Games, right? In some ways uh, oh, yeah. these yeah, people yeah, yeah. trying to live outside of the bounds of their society are in some ways existential heroes. But again, it's kind of it's kind of this thing and it it gets built into as well this idea from uh, Nietzsche's philosophy of the Ubermensch, um, again, a person who, by their own power of will, has superseded society and imposed their own rules on it, right? So kind of like a Napoleonic mm-hmm. figure almost, although that's a little simplistic. But anyways, the, 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 this prisoner is, is in many ways a perfect archetype, a perfect version of the existential hero. In that every episode, every time, everything is this person sticking to one value judgment, right? Number six has one thing that he knows is true, and that, that, that thing is that his freedom is his ultimate goal. His freedom is the most important thing, right? Yes. And to hell with everyone else, you know? He, I, I don't think number six really cares about anyone else on the, on the village, in the village, right? He has no connections to them. He has no. Right. I, I wouldn't argue. I would argue he has no feeling for them, really, right? Because he views every member of society besides himself as a potential enemy, right?
0: Well, as a potential, um, yeah, as an obstacle. Exactly. Right? Like they will never get him to where he needs to go. And I think early on, like I would even argue again, it's it's a lot of Joseph Campbell in the in the the hero's journey. Sure. Like yeah. You start off you're taken from what is familiar you're put into an unfamiliar space and you have to sort of navigate to what your to what the final to your point what what is your final truth like what is the thing that is that is the the reason that you are doing this and i to me it's like even though you know he almost got stoned in the streets after the final episode aired there's really no good way to end the prisoner in a lot of ways except for what he did, which is no. basically say the thing <laughs> that, you know, the thing that number six was always searching for or was always looking for was himself. Right. The only thing he wanted to find out that was going to give him freedom and why? why are you persecuting me? Why are you... Why are you keep? why do you keep hounding on me about the reason of who I am? Which is sort of another, which is a cloaked way of looking at like the information they wanted from him was why did he resign? Why did he make the choice? Why did he execute free will? Right. And, and they keep pressuring him and they keep asking him, but the person who ultimately is asking him that is himself, which is just like, again, for 1967 is like mind blown that's pretty good
1: see and that's and that's the interesting thing though is that I think we actually have totally different readings of the show really yeah and I and I've actually what? and see and this is the thing though right go on I've, okay I've I've probably watched and rewatched mm-hmm. the prisoner in its entirety like I mean over over 50 times easy you know um uh, mm-hmm. my mom bought like mm-hmm. a DVD box out of it and I just like binged the crap yeah. of it all the time
0: no We have the box set now. Oh, so
1: good! Uh, Yes, we do. So yes, we do. The um, the (laughs) like for me, it's not. It's for me. It is that perfect existential fight where now that number six sees, now that number six sees that the village exists, he'll never be happy again he'll never be able to live in society again, right? Because Mm -hmm. he, what is to stop him from thinking that this is another trick, right? Oh, no, like, no, I agree with you in that. Like,
0: I agree, like, self-knowledge, the self-knowledge of him coming face to face with the thing that is keeping, that is keeping, you know, his shackles firmly planted is himself.
1: See, well, that's, is
0: ultimately.
1: But that's the thing, is, right?
0: To me, ultimately, not freedom.
1: That's well. That's yeah. That is the that I think I agree with you on right? that. The freedom, the freedom he ends up with, and I think that's kind of a very cynical,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a cynical point that I think the show makes very well.
0: Yeah. In, or it's in, cynical of you and I to read into. You no, know, well, which,
1: maybe, what, how, maybe. How could that be? How I don't could know. That be, how sunshine? can we be cynical? How could that be but, sunshine butterfly? <laughs> but the uh, yeah, this idea that this idea of freedom to choose is only freedom in so far as your choices are limited. So in other words, I think a perfect example of this is in elections and is in, is in democracy, mm-hmm. right? Um, if we yes. had voted for, if you, if you vote for candidate a or candidate B, right? Mm-hmm. If, if regardless of who you voted for, we were going to go into another war then it doesn't really matter who you vote for. Right? Because mm-hmm. the power structure mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. such that it will mm-hmm. it'll keep things going the mm-hmm. way it wants. Right?
0: It's it's yeah, it's interesting because your reading of it with the existential is much more of a macro. I think like yeah, when I, I look at it, I, it's yeah, much I, more of a micro. Yeah, see. It's much more of the self see of of his recognition of self.
1: See, I've so I've always viewed the existential hero as a mm-hmm. very sh shat- like, I think. I think when you mention even Joseph Campbell and that idea of it. So for those that don't know um, who are listening ju- the idea of well, I mean, the idea of Joseph, the idea that Joseph Campbell came up with is that there is like kind of a single archetype of the hero story that gets played again and again. Yes. Right. It's kind of like, you know, yes. you got Luke Skywalker, you got Katniss Ever- Aberdeen, you got Harry Potter, you got whatever. All these characters are all the same character. They're mm-hmm. they're, uh, you know, they're Hercules, they're. Um you know, over time this this idea keeps coming back where it's like a person rises from obscurity to find out that they're part of a much more important system, that they are the central cog almost in this system, and they end up defeating a great evil that is a dark reflection of themselves and then come to be whatever, their final form, whatever that is. Some sort of some sort of self reckoning. Yeah. Which is not always good. No. Which is not always a no. good thing. Now in my mind that story requires there mm-hmm. to be an ultimate good and an ultimate evil, right? And mm. for my, for my, from my reading at least, or my understand, my, maybe not my, my understanding. It doesn't always have to be this way, because for Kierkegaard, mm. the idea of say the knight of infinite resignation, which is this idea of a of a character who um, gives his will fully to, to God, to some omnipotent, omniscient being. For that to exist as his his kind of version of the existential hero, um, which a lot of people would disagree with me on that that is what it is. But whatever, um, it's my podcast, so na na na, foo-foo, to you. Well, um, well, you just whipped out some character guard.
0: I'm sorry. Went with the, so okay, the, so you, so you know, I mean, come on, man, you got me with a you know a half glass of chardonnay, and I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Guy. Okay. 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 So teasing. I know. I
1: know you are. I know you are, Marie. Come on. I'm dead serious for, about that. For for no, listeners okay, that don't. One of Kierkegaard's most famous works, <laughs> where he develops this idea of the of the night of infinite resignation, is this one called um, "Fear and Trembling," and the full title is like a really actually badass title. But I'm not gonna read the whole thing because I don't have it in front of me. Oh, shit. But the, Woo! the title we got dark. But the base, we, got, we went down. No, folks. we're we're killing it. So the idea, the idea in this story is he looks at the story of the binding of Isaac, and he mm. and he thinks, well, how could God have let abraham bind his son and go so far as to almost kill him his only child at that point Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. go so far as to almost kill him and his argument is that for for true uh for true bliss for true you know god we can't understand god and so what god requires of us is for us to willingly give up things in the hope that god will bring them back when god asks so in other words we need to resign ourselves to the fact that the way our lives are is the way it's supposed to be and only in that resignation only in that realization that you are as god wants you to be and you are doing what you you are you are giving up or doing an impossible task because it is the right thing because it is what your god requires mm. that in some way gives you gives you a kind of not a release necessarily but almost a um Purpose? A purpose, or like a—it's—it's uh, it's hard, Kierkegaard. It's hard to really understand, oh, know exactly what he meant. But whatever. Anyways, oh, Kierkegaard. So the no,
0: no, so the
1: idea, so so just to kind of get this full circle and finish this thought, finally for you, my poor listeners, is in. So that to me, where there is a value, there is a an ultimate good that we're striving for, an ultimate goal, even if it seems useless, even if it seems worthless from our perspective. It is an ultimate goal that we decide to follow. With existential with existential heroes generally, the whole point is that there is no goal. There is no ultimate good. And so ultimately it becomes kind of a self-defeating or nihilistic idea, right? Which is why, uh-huh. in my opinion, so many of these characters end up end up horribly, right? They kill well, themselves or yeah. they die or, yeah. or they explode or whatever. And well, so I would argue it, I would- though i would say
0: that the the reading of like f- within sort of the joseph campbell reading of him and him finding out that this truth is himself isn't like i think it's like oh, it's beyond good and evil it's like i think it's 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 a reconciliation of of what actually is his true self right and his true self is is it turns out to be what he thought was evil what he thought was the thing that was his what was keeping him from keeping him from freedom right but how can you say like and again even with the uh, the idea of the island how can you say i would argue that the island is not bad or the village sorry the village is not good or bad it's beyond those things because there's people on the village that happily have erased their mind and can live uh, can live almost um, yeah they they the like got
1: like a soma lifestyle like they live a perfect um, yeah
0: I mean but and they are there there is nothing there is no judgment they are placing absolutely no judgment among uh, on themselves and he's of and he and his character number six is is scornful is is, is you know especially of the uh, the old captain I can't remember exactly which one it was yeah. the old captain that plays chess you know and he's and he's sort of given up. And he looks at him like he's been defeated. Like he has, and again, it's this moralistic judgment, but he's transcended this character. This other character has transcended it. And he's like, I don't care. I don't want to escape. I'm not, there is no, there is no bind on my mind in this place. Right. Which is basically he, to me, it's like, again, it is sort of almost an existential, uh, an existential reading of it. I think you can play with it both ways. It's so amazingly good. Yeah, it is. It's very it's deep. So amazing. See, in good. my
1: in my in my view, what in my view the ending, what the ending means to me of the series, and the therefore the ultimate kind of wrap up mm-hmm. of the whole thing, mm-hmm. is that this whole series number six is fighting for this one ideal that he is a free person, that he is a free man, right, and. Mm-hmm. At the end, what he comes to find out is, is, is so no, he, is, he will never be a free man, right? And, I, and in that sense, mm-hmm. in that sense, Marie, I think we very much mm-hmm. agree that the person that ultimately is the one controlling him is himself, right? There's this yes. idea there's this idea in existentialism of the, the gaze of the other is what it's kind of, it's kind of commonly uh-huh. referred to. And what it is, is it's, it's sort of this idea that when someone looks at you, you recognize another consciousness that is apprehending you. That is, it is looking at you and judging you and considering you. And based on that consideration and the way that you yourself take that in and then consider them, you will Mm -hmm. change and alter and limit your behavior. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. in that sense, when number six sees himself as number one, I think what he's coming to realize is I have been the one controlling myself. Like I am the reason why I control my, why I do things a certain way, right? I myself Mm -hmm. am limiting my own freedom. By being confined to society, by doing what is the norm, by, you know, by fixing myself to these standards, to these normative things. And so, and so when he escapes, it it no longer matters if he's in the village or not, because he's always going to be limited. He's always going to be under the constant surveillance of himself. Or Rover. Or Rover, or the giant fucking balloon is coming. Right? Oh, dude. That's,
0: I, I think it is, it is like to me the awesome thing about this show is it's like man 50 years ago and it's, it has it's the same resonance it's
1: st- i mean like, like today i guarantee they tried so they made a shitty remake of it
0: oh in... shitty remake
1: fuck you amc what yeah what when was that That was like I, rem- oh. I remember being i remember being in college and my roommate i was
0: excited about me too it. I was like, oh my god this will be great this is the no it had no. it had
1: uh oh my god it, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, mm-hmm. who's the actor mm-hmm. that it had? Mag- oh, yeah, Magneto. It had all...
0: Yes, it had Magneto from X Men. Gandalf,
1: it had yeah. Gandalf in it. it was, Motherfucker, it was supposed to be amazing. I was like, he's number two. It's gonna be the best.
0: And he would be a great number two. That was a really awesome. Honest, yeah, but instead, it, it just it ended up bad. being
1: this so weird. Bad. Oh, it was unfortunate.
0: But one thing one thing we should call out and we should note is there's actually an addendum to The Prisoner that was officially like sort of I don't want to say sanctioned but was was um okay by Patrick McGowan, which is a which is a graphic novel yep. called The Prisoner, Shattered Visage and it's it picks up at a certain point after they have closed the uh they have closed the village, and what happens? What happens there, and what kind of is is still going on? Which we don't have to get into necessarily, because I I I bought it like a million years ago. I read it, and I don't, I can't really remember, so it, but I, I remember thinking, man, it was that was that was not a bad
1: idea. So I have actually, I have actually never read it.
0: Oh,
1: <gasps> I I gotta send it to I, you. I, oh snap. I knew I knew of its existence, mm-hmm. but. I kind of really like the way like I liked I really like the way the you series the way it ended. ended. Yeah.
0: It brings back your favorite number 2 though. Does it really? Well,
1: oh, yeah, okay. Brings him back. All right, then I then I'll him then back. I'm going to have to check it out for sure. Yeah, I got to get it. I got to get it then.
0: And it's it's cool because it also uh so the main character, a woman is going back to the village and the boat she's on is called the Vorpal Blade, which is I, I'm pretty sure I got that right and which is from Alice in Wonderland yeah and it's just like it's it's just got these nice neat little uh sort of little references that are really good the overall story again it's 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 such a visual thing it's hard to translate into um and it was written in the 80s so it dates itself much harder than like than the original series does but but still really good still really good um the other thing too is if Dear viewers viewers, dear listeners, if you do choose to listen to it, uh, you should, you know, if you get the entire series, there's a huge amount of debate of the actual order oh of the Oh my goodness. Debate. There's
1: a hu- there's a huge uh and honestly, I don't know what's your favorite awesome. what's your favorite kind of viewing order.
0: So, um how and I'm just going to this is the story about how I got into The Prisoner is like I was actually studying for a final in college. And I was watching TV, it was late night, it was here in San Francisco, and I had, like, I think PBS on, and this guy came on, and he was introducing the series, and the, the, the man's name is Scott Appel, and he is actually, like, a huge aficionado um, about Philip K. Dick, and about The Prisoner, and a few other, like, he was, I believe, San Jose's uh, film critic, but he comes out and he's dressed in the same outfit as The Prisoner, and he kind of walks through the whole logic of why he's, why he's viewing, why he's, he's, he's put them in the order of it. PBS is going to watch him and he's doing like an intro to each one. And I'm like, who is this cat? Why is he, he's like talked for 25 minutes about some dumb show. And, and then I start to watch it and I'm like, fuck the French final. What is this? Like, this is crazy <laughs> shit. There's a giant balloon. To, to, you it's know, so complicated. And, you know, this guy, and they can't even get off that village. And it's like, this is crazy. And it's, I think, so if you were going to watch it I would strongly recommend the order that Scott Appel uh puts it in because I, it makes so much more sense than the actually than the actual order that they aired them in.
1: Yeah, I I I like I like um I read I actually have tried a bunch of different ways to watch it over the years. I
0: uh-huh. actually really
1: like I really like there's one um there's one particular order where oh, we should
0: put them in the show notes. We, we absolutely will. We absolutely will. Notes.
1: There's one, oh, but yeah. there there are there are two episodes that are kind of weird that don't really mm-hmm. fit with the whole series itself. There's an episode mm-hmm. where he's like, it's like in the old west.
0: Oh yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's and there's another one that's like kind of more of like a normal spy thing. It's really yeah. strange and like those those two episodes don't really fit with the whole thing for me. So I actually. I actually watch them in. I kind of like watching them in all kinds of different orders, like randomly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I always start with the mm-hmm. first one. I
1: always end with the last two. But I, mm-hmm. I feel like I always end up putting. I always end up either not watching those ones or watching them after the finale. Actually, um, and there's and there is that's a good point. And there is some yeah yeah and yeah. They're, they're like addendums. They're like weird. He, yeah, they're showed that as well. They're like weird. Yeah. They're like weird secondary stories to the main story, right? And so and another interesting aspect of this too that comes up a lot is is what what area, what framework do you watch the the prisoner from? So in other words, Mm -hmm. is the village controlled by at this at this point it was the West versus Russia, right? Mm, Is the village controlled by Russia? Is it controlled by the United Kingdom? Is it controlled by both working in tandem? Yes. Right to keep Who their yeah. to keep their the prisoners together, so yes. it's a it's a really fascinating way to like you can you kind of get a sense that it's I think because everyone speaks with a British accent, us in America are like, mm-hmm. oh, it's British, you know. But it's mm-hmm. like that's not necessarily the case, right? So there's a lot of really.
0: Know, it, cause it's just- It's it's very cloying. Again, it's almost too British. It's almost a stereotype (laughs) of everyone he meets is this very yeah. They're like oh uh, pip
1: pip yeah like
0: uh, be seeing you yeah. You know I love that yeah. It's It's over the top yeah. So we should put it up because also I have done my damnedest to try, knowing that we were going to be talking about this tonight, to find Scott Appel who is who is in the Bay Area. And he is hes a difficult man to get a hold of. I can't—I well, have yet to locate I him. I hope
1: he is not on the village. Mm, I don't
0: know. I don't know. <laughs> Smelled some strange gas. Weird stuff. Passed out.
1: Weird stuff, Marie. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. You know what's actually... I would, uh, sorry, I was going to say. No, no. You know what I've actually found really interesting is mm. I... We actually found ourselves on... on uh, I actually found myself on Twitter recently... Going, because there. So recently in the news, there was uh, there was a revelation that two really prominent um, conservative Twitter, I guess, personalities were actually uh, were actually characters created by the Russian government. Oh, and fun, yeah. And these these <laughs> were people. One of them, I had actually, I had actually commented on one of her things. And I was oh, like, what's her name? How? but she's gone now. She's off of Twitter. Um, but I had commented. I was just like, you know, whatever. Like, you're, I forget what I said. Probably something like you're dumb or whatever because I'm a child. But so, um, so, but yeah, like, so it actually got me now looking at people's Twitter accounts and being like, this is a real person.
0: Is this, yeah, how, who is this? Who is this that I'm trusting or that I'm talking to, right? It's like this weird, again, it's, and it ties in perfectly because there's this whole underlying idea of, of how much, you know, how much do you trust this person? You, you think you know them and they've helped you so far or you're reading or, you know, it could be like, I think of uh, like our good friend Rob. Sure, Stofferson, yeah, absolutely. Right? Uh, your UFO guy. I don't know. No, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know. I'm not saying that he's a bot. Rob, I'm not saying you're a bot. I am saying I think you're CIA or something along those lines. And, you know, I like to – I almost like to imagine that he's maybe just like a, a, uh, uh, you know, a, a totally different person, like a totally different gender, totally different, you know, and he's just sort of planting seeds of, you know, and, and monitoring subversive, subversive podcasts.
1: Right? <laughs> Well, wow. I mean, we both... I would listen. love that. I've never... I still it, have no evidence could that could be Forrest, number one. I have no evidence that Forrest Burgess is a real person.
0: Oh, he's not. No, he's not. That's so... that's actually been proven. That's so... that's not even allegedly <laughs> anymore. It's Scott's other voice, man. I've, I've seen it. It's just Scott's other it. voice. I can prove it.
1: I have proof. Wonderful. <laughs> and with that, dear listeners, we are coming to another close of a roundtable episode. I have been number six.
0: I... I'm um, number
1: two. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> we will be back in one week with an episode on... What am I doing next week, Marie? Something super science and spooky and fabulous. Uh, sh- yeah, it's going to be Awesome. awesome oh yeah nanotechnology oh my god next week's episode is nanotechnology which is my really which is i did my phd on. oh it's a good thing you remembered it that fast
0: then that's great <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's gonna be phenomenal it's gonna be a really great episode i'm super excited as always we want to thank you the wonderful listeners for supporting the show for listening to us talk all the time yes, we love and just for you know becoming uh we, we have a, a new patreon supporter ranger Tim. Tim, thank you so much for supporting the show. We got a bunch of new wonderful iTunes reviews, um, so we're gonna go through those people right now.
0: Uh, first of all, can um, I shout out Ranger Tim? What up, Ranger Tim? Yeah, great. Is he like a force? Is it a force ranger? I like to think he's out, you know, kind of. In I don't know. It's just his name. Area.
1: Just a, it's just his name on Patreon. Oh, that's cool. Good, um. It? So I don't know. Nice. He, he, he Maybe is a he's a forest stranger. Not sure. Not. So I have to give uh, shout outs to you. Odd Traveler, mm-hmm. Nuclear Story, Spectacular Five Minutes of Mine, Doctor Toboggan Mantis. Whoa! Whoa! Uh, whoa, is... whoa!
0: Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Doctor Toboggan It's
1: um. It's uh. Awesome. I, it's awesome. It's with our friend, it's our friend. It's our friend. It's our friend Brent from Hysteria 51 podcast, which is really good. Oh. Um, Five Minutes of Mime is from the Five Minutes of Mime podcast, so, so which good. is really cool. Check it out. It's a podcast about mimes. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. It's Story Spect I'm so, Story yeah. Spectacular is a show about, it's like a, it's like a, it's a really fascinating kind of like kid story extravaganza kind of thing it's really good i highly suggest you check it out and then odd traveler is from um the travel oddities podcast which is also uh, just wonderful such such great shows that we're friends with here man um so check it out avengers
0: assemble
1: avengers assemble truly mm-hmm. truly going on over here um and yeah that's it for this week's episode so uh thank you listeners and we'll uh, we'll be seeing you be seeing you